to Playwright, a podcast about creating and sharing new ways to play. My name is Ryan Heyman, also called H. And I'm Ryan Quintel, also called Q. And it's about time that we uh, we finally reveal our big secrets that actually we've just been computer neural networks this entire time, uh, just pitching video game ideas that we've randomly collated off of uh, off of random words associated together on Twitter. You may have noticed some of our jokes seem very obvious, like the way we name video games. It's it's clearly derivative of the language we've already been fed and programmed to use. So that was the giveaway, but nobody has ever called us on it. No listener, no nothing. And also most of our banter is about how much we like eating electrons and stuff like that. We left all the clues. And we just have very obvious errors, like we don't quite get the words right to songs. Like when I try and sing, it always, the lyrics <laughs> come out wrong, like, oh, the fire outside is weather. And, you know, it just, it doesn't really make sense, but it sounds right. And so if you're really paying attention, if you have a keen ear, listen, and you will hear the digitization in our voices this episode. Because truly, we are both nobody because we don't actually exist, and we are everybody because we're a collation of all of human written language. <laughs> and okay, and the 4chan section of our memory banks would like to say that you are all deeply depraved sickos. Let's, uh, with that, let's get into some video game pitches straight from the dome, and by that, I mean an actual dome. (laughs) Yes. So my pitch for today is a word game. This could work equally well as a uh, video game or as a card game even. This game gives you a string of random words and you get to choose almost like a difficulty slider how many random words it gives you anywhere between three and I mean there's really no upper limit depending on how, how difficult you want to make it for yourself. But then it tasks you with what is the smallest number of words that you need to add to this random jumble to make it a complete sentence. And it's kind of a competitive thing to see like who can really save the most time and uh, come up with a sentence that does make some kind of grammatical sense. So a word game. I don't know if we've done many word games, so let's uh, let's get at it. Okay, so uh, you get a... Sorry, I need a recap of the rules. You get a minimum number of words and then you have to add in your own with a set limit? The uh, the way the scoring works is that you can choose the number of words that you start out with. It could be like a like challenge a friend to do a five word round or a 11 word round or something, but they're all random words. You're given more points the more words you choose to start out with and you're given fewer points the more words you have to add to the sentence later to make it a complete sentence. Mm, Okay, that's kind of cool. I wonder if there's like a Dota-esque aspect of like banning and stuff that can happen beforehand of like, okay, you can't use this word, this word, or this word. It could be an extra challenge modifier, sure. But, uh, you know, I think that the the challenge will already be pretty high. (laughs) Yeah. Is this kind of the honor system where the really your challenger is determining that the other thing makes sense? Yeah, it could either do something like that or it could be a um, it could be like a Microsoft Word system. Oh, right. That sort of detects grammar and, yeah. and that sort of thing. So I've just run a random word generator. Let's see if we could come up with something here. So oh, I like this. 
I have a five-word seed. I have melon, puppy, conductor, trap, and fashion, which isn't great because they're all nouns, but we're just working on what already exists on Google instead of uh, creating our own software. So what could we add to make that make sense? I'm, I'm writing them down. Melon, conductor, puppy. Trap and fashion. Trap and fashion. And you can't add suffixes. I'm finding myself like wanting to, right? If you could add a suffix or a oh, prefix, you could, you could turn trap into trapped or fashion potentially into fashionable. I don't mind that. Maybe it could be like uh, something you have a limited quantity of and you can choose to spend it on one of the rounds. Yeah. Also, if the generator, if you like pick a number of words and the generator makes sure it serves you words that can be like modified with that, you could, I guess you could better control what is the most, quote, efficient phrase. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're going to need a the or something. Uh-huh. The the puppy conductor or the fashion conductor. <laughs> I like the idea. Of now, something. here's another thing that we're going to run across is, are we allowed to change the order of the words? Because that does make it significantly easier. Yeah, I guess so. Melon conductor, puppy trap fashion. And that's, that's, I think I'm getting that right. Uh, it's kind of, I, I don't, I don't like this list because they're all nouns. And so it always is just the melon was a puppy that was a conductor that was a that trap was, that, that had was. fashion. You know, it's like, there's no challenge there, but if there's some other types of words, it was a, it was a bad example, but <laughs> there's other types of words that would be more interesting, I think. Yeah. I, I wonder if there's not a way to, the thing about, having to use the words in order feels like I would need some sort of deeper modification of them. Like I'm, I'm almost looking at these, like I would look at Scrabble tiles of like, Hey, which, yeah. where can I get these things to end up? If you, if I could combine words too, like the melon puppy, <laughs> I guess then you just hyphenate everything. The melon puppy conductor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a melon puppy conductor trap fashion. Like, <laughs> that's a very specific. Well, you could be somebody who conducts a melon puppy. <laughs> yes, I like that. I did a, a on a different website. Got engineer crutch lump inspire computer. Now inspire makes it a little bit more interesting because that's a verb. So you know, there's a little bit to play with in there. But I was thinking, you know, maybe it would prefer to include a random selection of the different participles or parts of speech or whatever these types of words are called word genres. It's been a long time since I've been in elementary school. I I like the idea of maybe you can pull, like say pulling in conjunctions, you can pull in hyphenation and you can pull in suffixes. And then you Mm -hmm. almost get, if you did that, then you could do kind of a, a different take on Cards Against Humanity, mm-hmm. you know, it ends up feeling a little bit like that, like the, uh, the engineer lump, uh, <laughs> and crutch inspire computers. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I guess it's not as difficult as I had originally, you know, this was, um, this was kind of inspired by, I was at the, uh, theater in Seattle the other day, one of the, um, uh, one of the actual like live person theaters. Oh. Instead of one of the cinematic motion picture theaters. <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and they had a quote on the wall that read like nonsense, but if you kind of squinted at it right, it could form a complete sentence. It's like, 
I wish I, I wish I had written it down or something, but it was is like we are what with fire we do or something, and it just you know it's like that doesn't fully map out, but if you kind of think about it and break it down a bit, it's like okay, that's a that's a creative use of words. It feels very economic, and it uh it feels kind of poetic in a way. So you know, trying to bring out that um, that natural poetry in people in uh, conservation of language economy of language yeah i what i like about the word game is maybe it's on the surface easy but you go the you know the classic blizzard route of like easy to learn difficult to master Mm -hmm. and you you make it easy to assemble something that makes relative sense but you make it hard to construct something that is meaningfully funny or maybe hits a goal that is set up Hmm. for you at the beginning. Like they're saying, Hey, turn this into a joke or, um, create a new type of, uh, fashion. I mean, like, obviously that, that involves the word fashion, but push it in a direction so that somebody could get a sense of exactly what they're getting there. So now that would be something that would have to be judged by other people, kind of like a Jackbox game versus something that, you know, theoretically could, you know, a computer could judge sentence structure and make sure that it makes English sense to a degree. Right. But uh, something that conveys meaning would be a little bit more difficult. Yeah, I think you'd have to go for a little bit more of a human grading system in that scenario. I, I always like those Jackbox kinds of games where... People judge each other's answers and they, uh, they come up with a prompt. Maybe they come up with a way to make other people's contributions funnier. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, I mean, there's, there's plenty of room there. Yeah, you could start off like round one as everybody has to contribute a word and maybe different players get different prompts. So like different players say, hey, you're now in charge of providing three nouns and this other person's in charge of three adjectives. And like you get enough so that you guarantee a certain set of building blocks. And then from mm-hmm. there, sort of the jackbox, the game assembles sentences that uh, make sense. I think also one of the benefits of having the words randomly generated is that you come across words that you rarely ever use otherwise. And so it kind of makes you either you learn a word, you can maybe click on it and get a definition, or it makes you consider utilizing words that uh, that don't come up all that often. You can uh, improve your vocabulary even. Yeah, that's a cool idea. Is there any more to add to that? I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to think of like what I would add to like enhance this or take it to a different place. But this feels pretty pretty complete as a simple idea it feels kind of self-contained yeah yeah yeah. let's call that one there let's come up with a name for it i feel like there's a lot of good names that we can incorporate it's all word uh word puzzles anyways and so if we couldn't come up with a good name then it would hardly be selling the product well (laughs) i want to know if like maybe i get the word invent in there or like wop or mix up or something now you could call it word up because you are Adding words. I like that. I also would like something maybe like reward. Reward? Um, <laughs> yeah, to kind of like, because you're taking you're the words. rewards and, as well. <laughs> that's right. So there might be something there. Yeah, I don't mind that. That's a good one. Reward. <laughs> Could just be reward with an accent. <laughs> that's right. Reward. It's it's tough to say. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, uh, that's good. Well, let's, uh, let's go over to 
whatever you're pitching today. I hope I'm not <laughs> just giving us another self-contained idea that we're going to struggle to fill out here, but we'll see if I can do any better uh, with the <laughs> with the expansiveness of this. I've got in my head something like a, a vampire hunter roguelike game where mm-hmm. you are actually the same way that you would through... Um, uh, is you know increasingly popular going through generations um, as people die and you're the second, the third, the fourth or whatever. You're a famous vampire hunting family or uh, lineage perhaps uh, but it's the same vampire uh, or set of vampires that's being hunted so as you kind of go through uh, levels and go through runs, time is perhaps progressing, maybe technology is progressing Um, Or you can push technology and time forward yourself through leveling up and earning points uh, until until you're sophisticated enough to make it easy enough to kill the vampires that have outlived many, many ancestors of yours. All right. Interesting. Let's start the clock. So I think the interesting thing about this is that if you are hunting the same, I guess, a lead vampire, head vampire this entire time, mm-hmm. potentially that vampire can be making more vampires along the way by biting new people. And uh, uh-huh. and I guess there's that mythology that like if you kill the head vampire, then everything underneath it would be extinguished as well. Uh, but everyone is trying to protect the lead vampire. And so maybe, you know, the entire purpose of this game or at least one character's run through the game would be to try to kill the main vampire and every time you fail you have to wait some 30 years or something like that however (laughs) long to uh for the next member of your family to kind of age up to the point at which you can uh continue and um there's there's a lot of interesting choices that you can make there maybe you choose to wait longer before engaging on the vampire hunt and that way, like the next generation will be aged up and you'll have two characters that you can take in at once oh. to give yourself a better chance. But at the same time, the vampire has been making more minion vampires that whole time. And there could be a kind of continuity across runs that every time that you get out there and, and start killing these these vampire minions, then, you know, they stay dead. But if you don't kill as many as have been created in the time between your runs, then, you know, you have that many more to contend with next time. And they can just kind of like keep stacking and stacking. This has actually even pushed me in a different direction, which is it to me, it's also interesting maybe to consider it's almost like a tug of war going on too. that every time mm-hmm. one of your ancestors dies, they are added to kind of the stack a vampire that needs to be completed. So like death itself is almost a, a twofold thing where like, okay, if you don't slay your previous ancestor, you're just stacking up vampires. So the game is actually in in a sense, lengthening itself by, by your own failure. There are games that operate like that. Like, um, uh, like a zombie U when that came out, the Ubisoft launch title for the Wii U, uh, when that originally came out uh if every time that you die you have to venture back to your corpse kind of like dark souls but instead of just retrieving your souls you had to kill the zombie version of your previous player yeah and uh and that way you could reclaim the items that you had lost 
Yeah, there, there's kind of that similar thing going on, too, with the, oh, gosh, Hollow Knight. That that was an interesting thing where kind of you reach your dead body and there you are. But I almost wonder, like, if there's if there was like a formalized boss room like you would get in a Mega Man X, perhaps, like where mm-hmm. there's two very distinct gates. OK, you're entering the boss room. It's boss time, uh, which is, I think, something said at Bruce Springsteen concerts. Um, <laughs> you go and you... You enter the boss room and it's not the vampire that you're initially trying to slay. In fact, it's like your ancestor. And so you have more and more dynamically generated boss rooms to sort of deal with. But perhaps, okay. uh, you know, maybe there's something there. So now one of the things that I always try to stay away from, I mean, it's really easy to fall into this trap and we do it all the time is that uh i feel like this would make the game easier for better players and more difficult for inexperienced players yeah and so it's kind of like stacking the challenge in the wrong direction yeah man i wonder if there's sort of not a rock paper scissors but an elemental aspect of this like i don't think i've ever played a game where you're against like a vampire or potentially a creature that feeds on humans in some way where you could get sick and perhaps just by the act of your death of being killed by one of these things, you can actually take them out. So maybe maybe you have you have, you know, your sort of chess pawn run of like, listen, this ancestor's whole job is to just get sick and clear out the first ancestor <laughs> and, <laughs> and kind of do that. So you can kind of two birds, one stone your way through until you've kind of made progress again. So almost like betting against yourself, you can kind of poison your own characters to ensure that he won't come back next time around. Yeah, I like, maybe even you have to poison yourself at the onset of the run. So you have a limited amount mm. of time to reach your ancestor and actually kill them. That's interesting. I do like the time limiting and maybe you can set a time limit for yourself that determines the strength of the poison. And so... Even if you do have to fight the ancestor the next time around, he's like super easy. But yeah. uh, at the same time, you know, there's been so many times, especially playing a lot of dead cells this year, is that there are times when it feels like you run into a wall and you're just like, I don't think I'm ever going to beat this part of the uh, part of the game. And uh, and so you kind of, you know, you go through the loops and you always die at the same place. And then and then you get farther than you ever expected that you would. And if I died at that point because I didn't believe in myself before, I would be very frustrated. Yeah, but you know, it's funny that you say that because at the same time, there's there's a like, you know, the the poetry in that. There's irony in that, right? Mm-hmm. There's like a maybe every oh wow okay now this is all this is gummy cooking in all sorts of directions. Have you seen Escape from L.A. slash Escape from New York? No, I haven't. Okay. So the premise of those movies is Kurt Russell usually has some sort of poison or computer chip or something implanted in his body while he Mm -hmm. goes to run a mission. And of course, like, you know, this is is a common trope and I think especially science fiction where there's the the looming threat of you're going to die anyway. So you either have to do something or like forget, you know, just burn all bridges because you get as far as you can. Mm -hmm. It would be really interesting to me that like at the beginning of every run, (laughs) you have to place a bet or wager in some way either whether whether it's how much life your character is going to have or like how far they're going to make it so you kind of have the ability to 
whether it's money or something that you wager, give yourself a leg up by kind of mm-hmm. betting against yourself and failing. <laughs> Maybe it doesn't have a definitive end. Maybe if you over exceed the amount of time that you thought that you would be there, then that character becomes super powerful and is a lot more difficult to defeat as a boss. Oh, that's kind of cool. But then again, <laughs> if you just set the controller down and come back a couple hours later, forgot that you didn't turn the system off, then you permanently have in your game a boss that is nigh untouchable. <laughs> okay, let's, why don't we say that the only, like the only currency a la Souls game is, you know, money, whatever the one currency mm-hmm. is. And that's what you used to level up. It's what you used to buy equipment. Every run you place a bet on how far you're going to make it. The further out your bet is, like, let's say, oh, I think I'm going to make it to level three or whatever. If you place a big bet like that, you potentially get a really big reward just by hitting it. Uh, And then you can get, like, bonus money on top of that for getting past it. But if you place a bet that is way easy, you could potentially either make no money or even lose money if you, like go maybe if you blow it out and you go way way past where you thought you were going to go that's actually a negative or something like that um there's maybe some way to balance that like checking against yourself i will say that money is kind of a boring way to frame this but at the same time (laughs) if i was developing this as a video game and putting together a team to create this starting off with money might not be a bad idea just so we can kind of figure out the system and then converting it into a more kind of mechanically satisfying thing later on in development, I think would be a pretty solid choice. Yeah. I'm, I'd love to think about what that means for what the end thing could be. Cause I agree. Money's money's boring. Yeah. But anyways, let's, uh, let's call that one and let's come up with a name. Let's close that down. It started as a vampire lineage game and then it kind of became a, a, a bet against your own horse here uh, sort of game. What do you think of something literary a little bit like, uh, you'll never make it. How is that literary? What is that I don't know. It's just, to? it's very, it's not like someone's quest or it's not very sort of video gamey. It's a little bit more, um, okay. abstract in its thinking. You'll never make it. All right. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a good one. You will never make it as you bet against yourself. Yeah. It, that, it almost self selects people only looking for a grindy <laughs> challenge by its title. That's right. The, the dark souls crowd prepare to die. Uh, let's move into the community pitches here. We have a selection from, uh, from the website. This comes from Angus Wood who says, hi guys, I'm a fan of the show. Awesome. With the ongoing Superman video game curse, I was thinking of a different approach to the Man of Steel. What I have in mind is a pixel art strategy game similar to Into the Breach, except Superman is on every squad, and each squad are different DC superheroes, and instead of moving through timelines, you're moving through the multiverse. I'd like to hear your take on the amazing breakthrough in the Superman video game curse. I'm curious, what is the video game Superman curse? Have I mean, obviously, Superman 64, bad <laughs> yeah. game. Have there been games since then? Maybe my lack of knowledge about it is uh, indicative that they aren't any good. <laughs> yeah, I, I was wondering that myself, but I think this maybe could have been an allusion to so many people saying, oh... Rocksteady, the the people who made the Batman games, were supposed to announce potentially a Superman game at the Game All Awards right, yeah. this year. They <laughs> they came out before it and went, you know, just so you know, 
uh, we are definitely not doing that shit, um, which is, <laughs> which I think maybe adds to the curse uh, or gets people uh, that much more dismayed. The in it, Injustice but, games are pretty good, though. The Injustice but, game, uh, that's Injustice, not, you know, fully Superman. That's true. I trust Ed Boon to do almost any good fighting game at this point. So, <laughs> um, because as we all know, it's only him doing that. There's nobody else that works on, on Mortal Kombat and Injustice. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, yeah. I, Okay, I was thinking a different approach to Man of Steel, a pixel art strategy game. So I do like this because Into the Breach is a really good starting point because that game is less about, it is um, kind of a strategy, isometric pixel art wartime game, kind of like a Fire Emblem or something like that. But instead of attacking units and doing damage to the particular units, you're more interested in like pushing units into pits or into obstacles and stuff and yeah. friendly units out of the way of their attacks, which they're telegraphing beforehand. You know, it's, it's a lot different than you would expect from uh, that type of game just by looking at it. And I like the idea of people being knocked off the grid or knocked into obstacles being sent to the phantom zone because that's always just a <laughs> kind of a strange, fun thing to say. Um, it feels like a very superhero-y thing to do, though, to like push a city out of the way of a villain's, you know, death ray or something like that. And being able to move things on a continental level does feel appropriate to the Superman mythos. Yeah, and I this pitch, in a way, of doing a strategy game very controlled, right, very turn-based, I think helps control the central problem of Superman, which is that he's way overpowered. So, like, mm -hmm. when you're going into give a gamer a power fantasy he's almost like too much of a good thing yeah and then you have the reverse problem of like maybe oh too much of a good thing that's just saying true well superman's also not funny or fun at all so <laughs> he's you know he's, he's all that power with none of the humor i think what what could be cool here is superman is on every squad he almost plays the role of like the queen in chess mm, okay where it's he's the most versatile character on the board he's not completely undefeatable right like maybe you do the injustice thing where like everybody's got some access to some kryptonite thing or or mm -hmm. there's kryptonite in the environment so as like superman gets out of position and he's he's on you know the wrong path uh you can potentially weaken him. So, or maybe, you know, the enemy can set kryptonite in certain squares of the map. And so it does kind of limit where he can go. Yeah, exactly. So as you're trying to control Superman's movement and kind of relegate and deal with him because he's a potential nightmare for anybody on your squad, you can kind of have the squads themselves duke it out. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So one of the things that I really liked about Injustice 2 is that, you know, there is, um, there, it's a great fighting game. I really enjoy my time playing the game, but there's a lot of grind to it as well. If you want a hundred percent the game. And so one yeah. of the kindnesses that they gave was, uh, they, um, they allow you to take just like you're setting your hero's costume in a regular fighting game. You can set the, your hero to be controlled by the computer and essentially let the computer fight the computer and still get credit for it. And so it kind of automates a lot of that grind. And in a way, it turns Injustice 2 into, you know, less of a fighting game at that point and more of like a superhero management game, which I'm super into. And this feels like it could be an interesting, you know, I do like 
having some level of control, but you aren't flying around as Superman. You are, in a sense, kind of managing him from afar and making sure that he is where he's most needed, minimizing casualties, maximizing you know, damage to the enemies, whatever it yeah. is, and uh, just spreading these heroes across a map and uh, in a turn-based kind of way, making the the most out of the um, out of the limited resources, the limited heroic resources that you have. One of the things that, like, okay, so each team is given a Superman. I like the idea of potentially each team on the map. Assuming this is a two-team, maybe it's more, but I think it's a two-team in my head. Um, getting kind of the equivalent of like a Superman Buster, right? Mm. That. Uh, you can give to any one of the members of your squad. So if you have a big array, let's say a, almost a, a Smash Brothers-esque roster of, <laughs> because it's on the mind, the Smash Brothers-esque roster of DC heroes and villains that can be on any potential team, all of them have a different skill set and a different set of moves and different kind of movement patterns, potentially, like you get an Into the Breach. And then... One of them you can choose per match to start with the sort of Superman buster power. One of my favorite board games as a kid is called Stratego. Do you know Stratego? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> There's kind of this, uh, it's, it's almost the spy like spy mechanic, right? Exactly. The spy mechanic of like, oh, once you, once the other team kind of gives themselves away through an attack, you can kind of isolate who, who's got the Superman buster who mm -hmm. is the real threat on that other team. And so each kind of round starts as a little bit of a mystery, but you find out, oh, it's, you know, it's Joker with the Superman buster this time, and Joker has this long-range attack, so now your whole squad's trying to get in close and fight Joker close range. Maybe there could be ways to kind of trick your enemy by having a fake Superman buster weapon that actually is uh, drawing people away from the real threat. Um, lots of layers of reverse psychology that you can play. Right. So there's this kind of feeling of if another character gets up alongside Superman, like on the surface, that is a threat to that character and not Superman. But if mm -hmm. you were clever enough to get in position where uh, that's actually the character with the Superman buster and the other team has bet that 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 character, I'm saying Superman Buster, that uh, the other team's betting that that character doesn't have the kryptonite weapon of some sort, then you could kind of enter into really fun, like cat and mouse sort of situations. We've been talking about it like a two player, you know, player versus player type game. Obviously, this would also work in a into the breach kind of single player mode with instead of fighting against super villains, you could fight against kind of large hordes of enemies and uh, maybe even natural disasters could be interesting to try to evacuate um, evacuate citizenry, uh, get them out of harm's way before they are swept away in a hurricane or something like that. Yeah, I think that's really cool, especially if you can kind of get inside little metropolises and kind of carry people. If, if you go a little smaller scale and you just allow it to be on the city streets of Metropolis or someplace where Superman can kind of pick people up uh, in in their car and like carry them to safety. I think it's important that you kind of have to keep Superman moving because he's the most equipped to get extra points and help people and damage the enemy team, but also to have him, I, you know, first I pitched the queen, maybe he's the queen and the king of chess at the same time where he's, he's you know, one potential 
awful move away or a couple uh, from ruining his the rest of his team. Because I think once Superman goes down, right, like the team's done. Yeah, it could be. Uh, I mean, obviously, I always think the Superman, for the reasons that you identified earlier, is kind of one of the less interesting heroes. And it feels a little <laughs> cliche to even say that right now, because I feel like that's the take that everyone's had for the past, you know, 50 years or something. But, you know, just because he's so powerful. But at the same time, I I do like when they uh, not necessarily dumb Superman down, but give uh, kind of the proper respect and attention to the other heroes' powers to make them not entirely irrelevant. Uh, so, you know, just making everyone else viable, at least, uh, able to do something uh, can be helpful. Yeah, I like the idea, too, of potentially pitting competing goals against the teams. Like if you forced it to be, you know, this weird DC multiverse thing where like in Justice, you have like bad guy versions of good guys and good guy versions of bad guys. One team's job could be to save citizens and the other team is to destroy and ruin citizens and all that stuff. So you kind of have like the push and pull of defeating the enemy team maybe is the secondary goal in the same way that like once a map is totally cleared out and into the breach, you know, you're toast. Well, let's, um, let's call that one and let's give it a name. We can obviously call it Superman 65 as a uh, sequel to one of the world's greatest video games, but I'm sure we can come up with better. <laughs> because Superman's name is cursed in video games, maybe you you put this under the name of like General Zod. He's a, you know, he's a general. <laughs> a general is more likely to be doing, uh, you know, operations and logistics than Superman is. Kneel before Zod, except after C. <laughs> the Zod father, of course. The Zod father is very good. DC Courage Under Fire. It, it sounds like a James Bond film mixed <laughs> with like a Miley Cyrus album. <laughs> But I'm kind of into that. Actually, I kind of want that. DC Courage Under Fire. <laughs> All right. Well, that was a pitch submitted from our website. If you would like to submit a pitch as well, then you can do so. Just go to playwrightcast.com slash pitch, or you can email us playwrightcast at gmail.com or tweet us at playwrightcast in all of those instances. It is P-L-A-Y-W-R-I-T-E-C-A-S-T. Special thank you to Protodome for the use of his theme song, Hello World, off the album Blue Noise. It's what starts every show and ends every show, and boy, oh boy, is it a catchy tune. It's what's for dinner. To close us out today, I'll deliver a miniature pitch, and what I'm just, whoa, what I'm really inspired by today is I want a... James Bond movie crossed with a Miley Cyrus album. <laughs> Whatever that ends up looking like. That pleases Say, uh, my programming. See you next week. Bye. Bye.